0: Hi, I'm Danny Simon, and I lead the New Life Fellowship Church here at Manipal. I'm so glad that you tuned in with us today to listen to our audio podcast. Do subscribe so that you can tune in every week. You know, I believe that a spoken word can change lives. And my prayer and my hope is that as you listen to today's message, it will change your life as you know it. Enjoy the message. father we just want to thank you lord for this time lord father thank you for bringing us into this place lord we believe our faith that your presence is there in our midst lord lord we're not just a few group of people who has gathered here lord father because lord we know that the king of kings and the lord of lords is in our midst lord and father even as we prepare our hearts to listen to your word lord we pray lord that you would create that hunger within our hearts lord you stir us up this morning lord father because lord we want to hear your word lord lord like we've been praying lord we don't want information today we don't want knowledge today father we want revelation lord and father i pray lord as the word is brought forth lord father lord it is not me who's been speaking lord it's not a man who will speak but holy spirit we believe that you will lord father speak with boldness you will bring clarity lord every spirit of confusion we cast it out right now in the name of jesus lord and father we pray there would be a spirit of focus there would be a spirit of hunger lord to listen and to receive your word as it is lord we thank you father we surrender each of us into your hands in jesus most mighty and precious name we pray Amen. Amen. So we're in uh, week three of our series. It's called, uh, Where's My Money? Alright, we've been looking, you know, over this last two weeks about this whole topic of money and in regard to what, you know, God's word has to say about this particular topic. Okay, and I want to just recap, okay, a couple of things. The reason why I titled this, I've been bringing this up every week, okay, because at the end of every month or probably at the beginning of every month, there is a tendency for us to look back and say, hey, Where did all my money go? All right, this month. And suddenly, you know, we recap, we recount, okay, this month I had this expense. This month I had this expense. All right, for me, this month, probably I'll be having a major expense to think about. Okay, but I'm just saying, you know, we often tend to think at the end of the month, you know, I got this much money at the beginning of the month. In one month, where did I spend most of my money? And many times, you know, when you think about money, we don't really attribute money to God. Isn't that true? I want you to think about that also for a moment because many times, you know, when you think about spending money, okay, you need to go out and buy something or, you know, you're purchasing something online or you're spending, you know, some money on bills. We don't often attribute that, okay, God, I have only so much money, what do I do? The first thing that runs in our mind, we, we check out how much money we have and based on how much money we have is how much we spend. Very rarely do we come to this place where, you know, we think that money has to do anything with spiritual stuff. No, money is money. God is God. Let's not mix the two together. And as long as, you know, everything is going fine, everybody is happy. No. All right. Because God has a lot to talk about money in God's word. Jesus, you know, if you look many places, he talks openly about this whole concept of money. Why? Because like I said, week one, if you remember week one, we spoke about the heart. Alright, what do we speak about the heart? We, say, You know, if you remember, we looked very specifically. It's not about how much money you give to God that matters. As much as how you give it, the attitude of your heart, that's what really matters. How you give is what really matters before the Lord. And in the last week, you know, we spoke about a very, very, I don't know if you can call it an arguable topic. Okay, tithing. Alright, and if you remember, how much is tithe? What's the percentage that God put in his word? Ten percent. All right. God said, you know, ten percent. And here's what we looked at. We looked at the scripture very specifically last week. God said, all of the tithe belongs to whom? Belongs to us. Which means it's not just ten percent of your money. It means ten percent of your time. It means ten percent of your relationship. It means ten percent of everything. Guess what? That God has put into your hands. And you know, many times, you know, it's very difficult because we think, okay, when especially, I mean, if you remember, we did the survey last week. How many of you were there for the survey last week? All right. We talked about how much time you give to God. Okay. 24 hours in a day, 10% of 24 hours is how much? 2.4, not even two and a half. Okay. And if you remember, most of us, we agreed that we give like 15 minutes to max, 30 minutes to God in a day. None of us can really put up our hands and say, yes, I give two and a half hours every single day to God. We don't. And yet God says, you know, the tithe belongs to me, which means 10% of the time I've given you 24 hours in a day. 10% of that time belongs to. And we don't think about it that way. We think about the money, you know, money. Okay, let's say thousand rupees is put into our hands. We think, okay, 200 bucks, mess bill. 200 bucks, phone bill. 200 bucks, you know, the food I need to spend on. And then we split up all the money. And then finally, you know, when you come to church, oh, they're asking for tithes and offerings now. 20 bucks, that's what I'll put in. We many times, you know, that's what I said, we don't really think about money, we don't think about God, we think that God is God, money is money, time is time. All of these things are multifaceted and we don't really tend to mix the two. And when God says very clearly, last week we looked at this, tithing is basically 10%. It's something that, you know, God was very emphatic about that you need to bring this into his house, into his cause. We look about his house a little later this day, today all right but here's what i don't want us to miss tithing tithe of everything belongs to god tithe of your money belongs to god 10 percent is something that god expects you to take from what you've been given to and given to him all right now why i was very emphatic about today's message okay because in this whole series you know every message is important every message kind of builds on it you know the the previous message okay but if you would ask me you know amongst this whole series you know what's probably the most important message let me put it this way today what i'm going we're going to be looking at is probably one of the most important messages in the entire series all right and i'll tell you why because what we're going to look at today if you don't get this right if i don't get this right can i tell you everything that we look into will never be properly in order and here's a principle that I want us to look at this morning Okay, I've titled it as you know this is the first part in you know the this particular uh, topic that we're looking at I've titled it as first things first alright and here's a principle that I want to give because I want you to really grasp this principle okay here's the principle I think I've got it up on the screen okay if God is first in your life then everything will come in order in your life can I say that again? If God is really first in your life, everything about your life will come to order in your life. And the antithesis or the opposite is also true. If God is not first in your life, then guess what? Nothing will be in order. Now, you know, if it's, it's very easy, you know, to come to a church setting like this or, you know, you attend any church and let's say the pastor or the preacher, you know, comes up to the front and says, hey, how many of you can say God is first in your life? nobody I mean I'm, I'm okay forget it. I'm asking you a question how many of you can say this morning that God is first in your life okay so it's 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 easy to come into a place you know like this and say okay listen God is really first in my life but can I tell you what's the proof of that okay you show me where you spend your money and you can easily tell if God is really first in your life that's it Why? Because again, somehow that was not planned, okay? Somehow God's really been bringing this scripture back up again in the last two weeks and even today I want to bring that scripture up. Why is this principle so true? Because here's what Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where you put your money really determines where your heart is. In other words, here's what he's saying. If you think God is really first in your life, you show where you're spending your money. You show where you're putting your money. Listen, is your money really going to God? When somebody looks at, you know, your your balance or your account, you know, how you've been transacting your money or all your transactions, can they look at those transactions and say, oh man, this, this person really values God. There's something about, you know, him and God that somehow, you know, so much money he's been giving off to God completely. And very often that's not true, isn't it? Very often that's not true. Because if you look at, you know, any one of our transactions, it'll be, okay, you spend on Amazon this much, you spend on Flipkart this much, you spent in, you know, money, Paul. So, yes, smart, you know, you spend this much. Okay, and you know, you spend so many places all this money. And then how much did you spend to God? Ah, huh, the 20 bucks, rupees that you put, you know, into the offering that, that came in last Sunday. Here's the question. Where do you spend all of your money? And here's what I want us to understand. Listen, it's so easy to say that God is first in my life. But listen, where we spend our money really determines how much value we give to God is really God first in our lives. There's a passage of scripture that I want us to look at this morning. It's a very commonly told story, but there's a principle that I want to really look at this in this particular thing. Okay, the passage of scripture, let me give you a slight context. Okay, again, there's an economic recession that's taking place before we read this story. All right, economic recession means, you know, there's a famine happening. There's no food, there's not been rain, you know, for almost three years. Anybody remembers now where this passage is leading to? Rain, no rain for three years. Elijah, yes, okay. So that's a particular place that we're going to. So there's been a complete recession. There's no food, means there's a famine. There's no water to properly drink because there's not been any rain. And this is the situation that we're looking at. So we're going to pick up reading from 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 8 to 14. I want us to follow this scripture, okay. Then the word of the Lord came to him, that's Elijah, saying, Arise and go to Saraphat, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, God is telling Elijah, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Alright? So what did Elijah do? Elijah, you know, just responded to the call. Verse 10. So he arose and he went to Sarephath. And when he came there to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. Verse 11. As she was going to get it, he called to her again. I want to look at this, okay? The... (laughs) Elijah sees his widow, alright, and why is he meeting the widow? Because, again, God is the one who has asked him to meet the widow, alright? And now look at what he is saying here. He is saying, just give me a little water initially. And when she was going to bring the water, what did he say? Verse 11, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So, immediately, you know, she stops. I am assuming, you know, she is like going with the bucket or some, you know, this thing to get the water. And then he says, you know, please get me a morsel of bread. And suddenly she stops. And she looks at Elijah and here's what she says. As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. Only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son. Why? That we may eat it and die. I want to stop right there. All right. What would you do if you were Elijah. Think about it just for a moment. You're Elijah. You're this man of God that God has given you the word. See, I've commanded this widow to feed you. Okay, so I'm assuming, you know, I mean, at least I know if I was in Elijah's position, here's what I would have done. God has probably already spoken to her, right? So I just need to ask and then, you know, she'll just give. So he's asked her water. She's going to get the water. Okay, fine. Bread. I don't have bread. What do you think Elijah would have done? What would you think you would have done? She's a widow, and she's just made this statement. She's saying that, listen, um, I'm I'm going to prepare it for myself and my sons that we may eat it and die. So they've reached like the end of the road. They're like, you know, in a very, very hopeless situation. As a man of God, what would you have done? Here's what I would have done. I would have run in my mind, God, of all the people that you chose to provide for me, you could have chosen a rich man. You could have chosen somebody who had a lot of food. And I know it's an economic recession. I know there's no food. I know there's no water. But why this poor widow of all the people that you had to send me to? And what would we have done? Really? It's okay. You know, keep it for yourself. Let me, I'm the man of God. Let me pray for you. I'll bless, you know, what you have. Wouldn't we have even done something like that? I'm talking from Elijah's perspective. we would have probably done that. But look at how boldly Elijah responds to the response which this woman gave. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you said. But he's not stopping now. Okay. He's saying, But make me a small cake from it first. Now his demands are growing more. Alright. Initially, it was what? Just a morsel of bread. You know what? You have so much, I want cake, you know. And somehow, let me just put it okay. This is between us, okay. Somehow, men of God and cakes have something in. Together, alright? So if you want to really get into the heart of a pastor or a man of God, just go buy him some cake. I don't know. It's there in scripture. Alright? So he's like, he's now he's 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 gone from water to bread. Now he's come to a place of cake. Now cake needs to be like a feast, right? I mean, think about it. Why would you buy a cake when you don't have even money to buy a bread? He's taken it one step further, and here's what he's saying: listen, make me a small cake from it. What? Say the word with me. Say the word with me. Make from it a cake for me first. I'll come back to that word. Alright? First. And bring it to me and afterward make some for yourself and for your son. And here's what Elijah is saying. Listen. I know you have only so much. I know you know you have only so much with you. But listen. Here's what I want you to do. I want now you said you have so much. I know that you can make a cake out of it. And I love cake. I want you to make a cake for me. First, and then you prepare something for yourself. If it was probably modern day age today, what do you think the widow would have been thinking? Yeah, all these pastors, they're all like this. And they don't care about us. You know, they're only thinking about themselves, right? I'm sure all of us are good people. We don't really think like that, I'm sure. Okay, But here's what he's saying, listen. Make some for yourself and and verse 14, look at what Elijah said. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain. There's something that Elijah knew, which he was so boldly telling this woman, listen, do this first and you watch what will happen. Now the reason... I brought this up. Okay. It's because many times in our lives, we think like the widow sometimes. And I want you to think like the widow for just a moment. What do you think would have been running in the widow's mind? She has nothing. She's a widow, which means she doesn't have a husband who is there to provide, protect and, you know, feed and all of those things. She's a woman. She has just one son. They're going through a major recession in their time. No rain, no food. And she all, this much is what she probably has. And she's saying, you know what? This is the last meal I can prepare for me and my son. And we're going to eat this. And after that, we will not have any provisions. We're probably going to die. And here comes Elijah. And he makes this, you know, bold and audacious demand before her saying that, listen, you need to do this first. And then you see what God will do. You know, here's what I want us to understand about this whole story. Many times, you know, when you read this story, we think that, man, God, God, you sent, you know, Elijah to a widow so that the widow could provide for her. We got it wrong. We got it wrong. You know what, you know what the whole context, you know why God sent Elijah to this widow? If God sent Elijah to this widow, not because the widow could provide for Elijah, but because God could provide for the widow. Think about it. God didn't really need this widow. God didn't need the provisions of this widow. Because, I mean, when you read through Elijah's story, okay, let me, let me give you two examples, You know where God really provided for Elijah. He didn't need to need this widow. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 6-7. to seven. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that, after the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. God didn't need a widow. He sent ravens to feed Elijah. I mean, you've read this then it's there, you know, bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening. And he drank water as much as he wanted to from that brook. He didn't need the widow. Here's another place, okay. 1 um, Kings chapter 19 verse 5 to 6, here's what he says. And Elijah, you know, this, then as he lay and slept under the broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. Then he looked. And what did he see? There, by his head, was a cake, his favorite. I told you somehow men and God and cakes have something in common. Okay, he looked, and his by his head was a cake baked on coals, and a jar of water. So he ate and drank, and he lay down again. God did not need this widow's food to provide for Elijah, and that's what I want us to understand from this entire passage. The reason why God sent, you know, this woman you know, into Elijah's life. Or let me say it the other way. Elijah into this woman's life was because God wanted to provide for this widow. Can I tell you this church this morning? God knows where you are. God knows where you are. God knows your condition. And I don't know if this widow's condition was known to anybody, you know, amongst her close relatives or her close family or anybody. But God saw what she was going through. And here's a word of encouragement I want to give some of us this morning. God knows where you are. God knows the situation that you're going through. God knows the wilderness experience that you're going through. And guess what? God's not forgotten. God didn't forget this widow. And he sent Elijah into this woman's life. Why? Because he wanted to provide for this widow um, the situation that she was going through. Here's a principle that I want us to catch. You know, many times when we are willing to put our natural possessions before God, Everything, everything, even if it's mean just a little bit, when we are willing to bring it before the presence of God and we say, God, this is all I have, but Lord, I want to bring this before you. God opens the door. He takes those natural resources that you put in front of him and guess what he gives back to you? He gives you supernatural resources back into your hand. And God can do that. But again, like if you remember, okay, last week we looked at this very specifically. What is tithing? Tithing is a test. Every time God puts money into your hands, can I put it this way? Every time God puts some resources into your hand, you know what that's really for? He's wanting to see who are you going to thank you know, for those resources that he's put into your hand with. If he's putting 24 hours into your hand, he's looking at the fact that are you willing to you know, give God first place and are you willing to bring the first 10% into his presence? Why? Because he wants to bless the remaining 90% that is there inside of your hand. And when he brings, you know, Elijah into this woman's life, you know what he's literally doing? He's testing the widow. He's saying, listen, I know that you have only so much, but are you willing with the little that you have, are you willing to take a step of faith and give what you have, even the little that you have into my hand, into my presence? See, here's what I want you to think about. The widow, you know, she was going through a test and she needed to take that strong step of faith to come to that place where she said that, you know what? God is first. And I know I have only so much. If I give something to God, I will be left with probably only so much. Don't we think that way? We think that way, especially when we're in church, don't we? When the offering bag comes in, we realize, okay, man, I might have just 100 rupees in my hand. Okay, either I'm going to have to let that offering bag go by, or if I'm going to put in, okay, we've already made our calculation. Okay, 100 rupees, 10 rupees if I put into the offering bag, that's left with 90 rupees, I need to have a 45 rupee lunch. Which I don't know if that's possible in Manipal Okay and then then you know dinner I might have to starve at dinner You know what I think I need to keep this 10 bucks back with me. We often think that way Especially when it comes to God And somehow you know that, that's, that's the most You know thing that, that really I don't understand Why is it every time you know only it comes to God Or the church money and everything else is like The last if you have any leftovers Hey let's give it to the church But you know God is not looking for leftovers Can I say that again God is not looking for leftovers from you. God's looking for your first tenth. Why? Because your first tenth is the best that you can probably give to God. He wants your best. He doesn't want your last. And that's why he comes, you know, he brings Elijah into the presence of this widow and he's testing the widow and he's asking the widow, listen, are you ready to take that faith and put that faith into my hand so that, you know, I know you have just a little bit of natural resource, but if you put that natural resource into my hand, you're going to see something supernatural happen in your life. Can I say this, church? You know why many people don't get to see miraculous things happen from God? You know, everybody prays for a miracle. Everybody prays God, do something supernatural. You know why many times people don't get to see miraculous things happen from God's presence? Because they are not willing to put what they have into the presence of God. They're not willing to let go and say that, Lord, this is the little that I have and I'm not sure I can. I have enough trust and I have enough faith to give the little that I have into your hand. And can I tell you something? Listen, when we are willing to come to a place of trusting God, when you're willing to come to a place of you know putting our faith completely in God and we say that, Lord, I just have 10 rupees but I'm going to give that into your presence and I'm left with zero. I'm not left with 90, I'm left with zero. This is the only thing that I have but I'm willing to give this to you because you matter to me and you I want you to be first in my life. I'm taking that step of faith, Lord. I'm taking that step of trust, Lord. When you do that, you open the doorway for God to do the miraculous in your life. There's a statement Yeah, When you put your natural resources before God, it opens the door for supernatural provision to come in. Now, here's the thing about the widow, alright? You read that story a little further, okay? I mean, if you remember the story, her son dies, alright? And I want you to look at, you know, what happened. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 21. And he, Elijah, stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, "O oh Lord, my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to me. And I'm assuming because of the famine, because of the recession or probably whatever, maybe that child was sick. Here's a question to us: Do you think God knew that her son was not well? Of course. What did she experience when she invited Elijah to her home? And when she put Elijah first in her life because he was putting God first in her life, you know what happened? She Not only did she experience a supernatural provision, she experienced a supernatural healing that took place in her family. Her son came back to life. You know, there's a scripture that we looked at last week and I want us to just, you know, see that scripture again from the book of Malachi. Okay, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 to 11. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that they may be food in my house and try me now in the, says the Lord God of hosts. Two things God mentions here. When you're willing to put your tithes in, when you're willing to put your offerings into the house of God, we look into the house of God just in a moment, okay? But look at the two things that God is saying. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. The first blessing that God brings into our lives when we are willing to put God first and when you are willing to put our tithes, our 10%, you know, into his house, here's what he's saying. I will open the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing. Guess what? There will not be room enough to contain it. Which means there's going to be an overflow of blessing that happens in our lives if you are willing to bring this first to God. Can you imagine? Can I just take you know this a little out of context? Okay. Can you imagine if we were to really give two and a half hours to God every single day? Do you think this will actually happen in our lives? You know, we toil and we struggle and we, you know, put in all the hard work and the hours and everything that we put into it, and yet how much results do we really see? Do we see an overflow of results happening in our life? We don't. And I wonder, you know, if we are willing to really put this, to, because here's what he's saying, you know, he's saying, try me now in this, test me now in this, open challenge. God is putting an open challenge in front of every one of us and he's saying, here's what he's saying. Hey, you want to try this? Come on, let's do it. Okay, you're on. You know, challenge, you're on. Come on, let's let's let's, let's, let's do this. You bring this right now first. But here's the thing. You bring this first, you want me to do this for you, I can do it, but hey, I'm not going to take the first initiative, you're going to have to, and he's saying, listen, you bring this, and here's the thing, he provides for you there, and look at the second thing, we looked at this last week, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, Satan, you know, whatever the enemy is trying to do in your life, So that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Lord, I put in so much of hard work. I put in so much of labor. I put in so much of hours, you know, into this particular thing. And I want to see the fruit come out of it. Isn't it true, church? I mean, some of you young people, when you're giving your exams, how many hours do you spend in studies? I mean, just imagine, you know, you give your exam and then finally, you know, you've slogged for it, you've worked for it. The exam paper was easy. When the results come, huh, fail. And here's what he's saying, listen. I will rebuke the devourer of us; He will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Isn't it true that every work that we put into, we want to see results come out of it? What if, like we saw last week, what if it's possible that the enemy is there destroying every fruit that we're putting in? Nor shall the wine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. You know what tithing does? Can I tell you this? Okay. Can I put up the next step? Tithing brings in two things. Provision and protection. He provides for you. That's why he says, you know, listen, I will open the windows of heaven for you. And try me now in this that I will not give you enough blessing that it's going to be an overflow. And he's going to say, he's saying, listen, I will provide for you everything that you need. And not only will I provide for you everything that you need, I will give it in overflow. When? You learn to tithe. And the second thing is protection. Listen, I will rebuke the devourer. I'm going to protect everything in your life. You know, we remember, you know, the book of Job. You know, if you remember, Satan could not attack or touch Job. Why? Because God had set a hedge of protection. Where? Around his life, around his material possessions, around his family. Can I ask you this, church? How would you like your material possessions to just go off like that? Your loved ones to go just like that? Or your life to just go like that? And here's what he's saying. Listen, I will protect. I will lay that hedge of protection. The enemy cannot touch you. But here's the condition, here's the principle. Listen, will you bring the tithes and the offerings into the storehouse of God? Now here's this. here's an important thing that I want to really emphasize on today. Okay, Malachi 3 up to 3 verse 10. The first verse he says, You know, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that they may be food in my house. The storehouse here, can I say this? Is a local church. That you attend. The storehouse here is a local church that you attend. Here's what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2. There he talks about, you know, making collections, okay, and he's saying, listen, verse 16, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2. Upon, I've taken it from the KJV, okay, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store. And he goes on to say, you know, do this so that, you know, by the time when I'm coming, there not need be collections that are being made, you know, for my provision and whatever, you know, you want to do with me. He's saying every first of the week, let every one of you lay him in store. And this original meaning of the word in store, again, it refers to as the storehouse. I want you to think about this, okay? Isn't it true that right through the scripture when you read about the house of God what do we refer it to as it's always most often not it's referred to the church if you remember you know Jesus when when he enters the synagogue okay synagogue you know was what it was called today i i, I mean then i believe you know today synagogue is also referred to as a local church when god entered into that synagogue and he saw these people were buying and selling what is the statement that he made he said my house My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. What's he saying? Listen, this is my house. The church, the bride of Christ is my house. And what you do inside of this place matters. And here's what Paul is instruction that he's giving. Listen, when you come every week after week, when you come, listen, you've got to bring in your tithes into that local church. The church that you're a part of, the church, you know, where you're deriving your spiritual nourishment from. Are you willing to bring this, you know, as an act of faith and say that listen, 10% is something that I want to bring into this local house of God? Because that's a church. That's the church that you're attending. You know, and and, and here's, here's the thing. The place where you pay your tithe, can I make the statement? Is a local church where you fellowship and worship the Lord. And can I ask you this? this is this local church important? seem to be very silent this morning. I know it's church. And you're asking, is church important? Yes. Is it or not? Church is very important. In fact, can I say this, okay? All of you here, even the ones who are joining online, isn't it true that you make it a point to make sure that you are in the local church every Sunday morning. Why? Because Sunday is the first day of the week and you said that, listen, I want to be able to give the first day of my week to the Lord. So you push out everything else out of the window and you make your commitment to come and sit in the house of the Lord. Why? Because you want to show God that God is first in your life. Yes, and And here's the thing that I want us to understand: the first of your everything matters to God. And that is why I'm saying, listen, the first tithe is 10% of your money also belongs to God. And where is where are you going to give it? You're going to give it into the local church. Why? Because that's what God's word says. Let me let me just take this a little further. The local church is a place where you worship the Lord, it's the storehouse of God, it's where you're encouraged. You can raise up your hands if this is not true. Okay, okay. The local church is a place where you're encouraged, you're spiritually built, you're blessed from the storehouse of God with all the blessings that overflow. Anybody disagree on that? I know I'll raise up both my hands for this. Okay. Now, here's the thing. Okay, this is this fascinating. Okay, some of us might say, you know what? You know, I mean, the church that I attend, you know the worship mm, not great you know the messages are super boring especially you know that Danny oh, Pastor Danny every time he wakes up he just drags his message you know I know why he drags the message you know, I, don't, I don't really sometimes just sleep off you know because I'm just feeling so sleepy in the morning okay and all those things you know man encouraging oh, when he comes and talks sometimes sometimes it's encouraging sometimes he's really hard on okay I don't like to talk to him Okay, so if you say, you know, the local church is a place where I get spiritually built up and spiritually this and all that. I mean, there's some churches I watch on YouTube, that's amazing. You know, the message is out, the preacher brings it out and, you know, it's really great. The worship, oh man, the musical instrument, the effects. We don't have any effects in this church. Okay, all we have is this black, bland wall. I mean, you know, and there's this tape stuck all over the place. And I wonder when are they going to do something about this? Is this even a church? And you're saying, you know, the church should be a place where you're spiritually built up and you're nourished and you're encouraged. There are better places. Can I say this? Okay, even if you think apparently all of these things, you know, that is, it's it's true. You know what God says in His Word? If you have committed to a local church, that's the place you should be paying. Regardless of, you know, all the shortcomings, all the negatives that you might have to list out amongst in the church that you're a part of. The tithe belongs to the Lord. The tithe belongs, you know, to the Lord. And where are you supposed to give that tithe? You're supposed to give that tithe to where God has placed you in the local church. Why? Because, can I tell you this? Okay, I don't have time to expand on that. There's a lot of spiritual blessings that you receive when you come under the umbrella of a local church. There's spiritual protection there. There's a spiritual anointing that flows in from top to down there. There's a lot of spiritual principles, you know, that I don't have time to expand on. But can I tell you, when you bring yourself under the covering of a local church, there's a tremendous release of potential and blessings in our personal life. And not just in our personal life, in the life of our family, our children and our children's children. But do you know what happens quite often? Can I tell you what reality, you know, especially among Christian believers, you know what happens? Okay, many people, you know, especially many people, Christian believers don't disagree the fact that 10% tithe belongs to the Lord. They agree on that. But you know what they do? They split the 10%. You ready for some hard truth? You know what they do? One part is sent to the man of God. You know that that man of God from YouTube. Okay man. Every week he comes and says. If you have been blessed by this ministry. You know give them to this ministry. So we take a part of the 10%. You know Lord I believe 10% belongs to you. So I'm going to take a part of this 10%. And I'm going to send it to that man of God. Alright. And then you know. Uh, you know you might receive a mail. Or a couple of letters. You know from some man of God. Who's doing ministry up in North India. Okay. A lot of persecution. A lot of you know lack of resources. Okay all of that okay, Lord, I want to send some money, okay, 10%, I've sent one part there, now I want to take, split this 10%, I want to send this to this man of God in North India, because, you know, he needs that resources, he needs all of those things to take place, alright? And then, this is one thing which I've seen, and I've told them not to do this, okay? Maybe there's this place where you got saved, the first church that you were a part of, you know, you got saved there, you got to know the Lord there, you were baptized there, all of those things happen in that church. And when you know, you moved out of that place, somehow you know your, your, your emotional attachment to that particular local church was so strong that you said that, you know what, I'm still going to send my tithes back into that church. But you're in a different place, you're attending another local church, you're getting spiritual encouragement, nourishment, everything from that local church, and you don't give anything there. You give it, send it back to your, here's the title, home church. Have you heard that one? That's my home church okay i'll not i'll not forget okay there was this boy you know who was a part of our church back in mangalore and he was very close to me and and he said you know can you can you send me the account details of our church back in mangalore and and i said why do you want the account details he said no 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 i've been you know i've been working here and i'm making my salary every month and i want to tithe you know to the local church I said, are you not attending a local church there where you are a part of and he said yeah but you know this is my home church this is where I got to know the Lord this is where I had my first encounter this is where I got baptized I want to send my type there and I told him this principle which I am telling you you need to give your first 10% to the local church that you are a part of you don't send it back here you give it there and can I tell you this what did God say in his word Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 can you just go back to that scripture bring what bring what Okay, say the word, bring what? Bring part of the tithe Bring how much? Bring all Bring everything that you have in your tithe Your first 10%, everything You don't split it up into parts and pieces And you send it you know, into the locations That you feel like sending into You are supposed to bring all the tithe Where? Into the local house Many people don't get this. And you know, here's another part, okay, which I really want to mention, okay, because this happens a lot in Kerala and in Tamil Nadu. You know what happens? A part of this 10% is set aside. You know why? Because personal experience, okay, there's always a man of God or a pastor who comes home. And then, I mean, you can't send the man of God empty-handed. So, you know, you set aside that money every time, you know, the 10%, you give a little from that, you know, into that man of God's. I don't know if it happens in Karnataka, but I know it happens a lot in Kerala and in Tamil. I'm probably stepping on a lot of people, a lot of your toes right now. I know that, but I'm just telling you what is from God's word. Bring all the tithes, not a part. Not just bits and pieces that you think that 10%, 1% here, 1% here, 1% here, 10% is I've given it all to the Lord. No, 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 no. He says, listen, you have to bring all the tithes into the local house, the church a place where, you know, God has planted you, a place where God has brought you into. And listen, it's so important, you know, because we need to understand, you know, the things and the blessings that comes from attending that local church in that place. This is why, you know, many times, you know, when people come to church, especially here, I mean, I've told, I think most of you have told this, listen, you pray, all right? Every time you go into a place, every time you know you're in some place, you've got to pray and you've got to ask the Lord, Lord, is this the church that I need to be a part of? It's important. You've got to settle in your heart which church you know God wants you to be a part of. And when that settlement takes place, can I tell you, it's important, you know, you just don't keep attending there regularly. You should attend. But you need to learn to tithe in that particular place. How much? How much? 10%. Which means what? I mean we, we saw this last week. And I know, I know it's I know it's difficult to think about. But it's easy, you know, if you're just making 500 rupees in a month. Why? Because you all you have to give is 10% of it, which is 50 bucks. That's okay. It doesn't pinch me too much. But what if it's five thousand? And what if it's fifty thousand? And what if it is, hey, five lakhs? It's not easy. Why? Because every time God puts more money into your hands, you know what's expected? 10%. It belongs to God. And I'm not saying this as, you know, a cliche or I'm not trying to say this as, oh. Because I know this is not an easy thing to really handle. Okay. And I want you to think about this. Okay. We've just started with the first 10%. We're going further down. Because he says, bring all the types and offerings. Offerings is coming. We are just talking about the first 10% here. Okay. Your know, 5 lakhs is like 50,000. You are saying 50,000 I need to bring into church every... Zero. If that's what you make. some of you are like, I don't make 5 lakhs. Thank God. You're actually thanking God for the next (laughs) month. Never mind. Okay, this can go in all different places. But I'm just saying, I hope you get the principle right. And I'm telling you, church, listen. Please listen to me. It's a very, very powerful principle. You want to see blessings happen in your life. You want to see things turn out in your life for the good, for the best. Because none of us, I mean, last week I asked you this. How many of you want to be a failure? None of us will put up our hands. How many of you want to be a success? in everything that you do we all will put up both our hands together we want to see success in our relationships we want to see success in our careers we want to see success in our exam. we want to see success in every single area of your life and I'm giving you the secret key to seeing that unfold and open up in your personal life so important so important I mean you know we it's, it's scary to think that you know man I have to give so much money in this can I take this one step further okay Paying our tithes. Paying our tithes is an act of worship. Paying our tithes is an act of worship. All right, and that's why you know if you notice one of the things that we do as a church, okay, I made it sure that you know when you are worshiping the Lord before we close in worship, you know, we sent the offering back out. Why? Because paying our tithes is an act of worship before the Lord it's not a separate entity by itself no every time you i want you to think about this okay think about the woman okay the widow and elijah when she took that first 10% when she said listen all i have is so much i mean elijah said prepare for me a cake first for me and then you prepare for yourself you know what she was doing she was saying listen lord i have only so much but i'm willing to bring it into your presence because that is my act of worship before I want to worship you with the first 10% of my life. But you know, the truth is, many times, you know, when we think about giving money to the church or, you know, man, I need to bring this into the house of the Lord, you know what we think in our mind, what goes on? The hospital bill was really high this month. I'm saying that as the truth from my end. Okay, I mean, you know what's going on. This was high this month. That was high this month. All of these expenses and we look at all of our expenses and we say that, oh, I don't think I'll have 10%. Wouldn't it be better to hold back something so that I can meet my bills and then maybe next month, you know this. And can I tell you this? Your first 10% is what matters before God. Like I said earlier, you know, God is not looking for your leftovers. God is not looking how much you're left with. God is looking how much are you willing to trust me with. Yes, I Lord, I have all these bills to clear. And if I give this money to you, I'm not sure I'll have enough money to pay off all these bills this particular month. But here's the question: Would you take that step of faith before the Lord? And that's what this widow did. She said, I didn't have enough money. If I, if, I, if I had enough food, you know, for Elijah to prepare a cake, my son may go without food. I might have to go without food. And mostly parents might feed the children and, you know, go hungry on their own. But I might run out of stuff, you know, to eat and then but. That's fine. I'll give it to the Lord because it's for the Lord and I will give it as an act of worship before the Lord. Do you think the widow passed the test of death? Not only should she pass it, she passed it with flying colors. She experienced a supernatural provision in her life. She experienced a supernatural protection and a healing that happened, you know, for her son. And here's what I want us to think about and, you know, this in closing today. Is it possible for us to, you know, come to that place where we are saying that, Lord, you, what you have is what matters for me. I may have very little, I may not have everything in the world, but I'm willing to say that, Lord, if this is what you're saying in your word, Lord, I want to bring this before you. And I want to say, this is my act of worship. This is my act of faith before you. Because I know that if I bring this into your presence, you're going to bless everything in my life. You're going to open supernatural doors for me. You're going to, I'm going to see supernatural provision. People will look at me and ask me questions. How did this happen for you? We all want great testimonies. Don't we? And here's what I always say. There's no testimony without a test. And what's the test that we have to do? The test is, are we willing to put God first in mind? And that's the test. And if you pass that test, you will have your testimony. Okay? Like I said, you know, this is not an easy message. Now you understand why. Because it grips our hearts, you know, to think that, man, I have to give so much. And I have to give so much, you know, to the Lord. And remember, like I said, this is just a tithe. And God says, bring all of the tithes and all of the offerings into this. And God is expecting a lot more. But are we willing to be faithful at least with the first 10% that God has put into our lives That really spoke to me. And I pray that it spoke to you as well. I want you to remember this. It doesn't matter what you're going through and where you're at. Our Heavenly Father is always with you. I want to say this, if you need prayer or you want to reach out to us, send us an email or DM us on Instagram. You know, let us know if we can serve you in any way. Just a reminder, don't forget to subscribe so that you can tune in with us again. And I'm really hoping to see you next week.